0: Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith.
1: And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Wednesday, July 20th, and we're the podcast that updates whenever there's news, all day, every weekday.
0: Here's the latest.
1: The idea that former Vice President Mike Pence could have overturned Joe Biden's election on January 6th has no support from serious legal scholars. Pence himself didn't think so either. But just to make sure it doesn't come up again, a bipartisan group of 16 senators has proposed an update to the 19th century law that governs the counting of electoral votes. Among the changes, making it harder to challenge a state's electors and making it clear that the VP
0: has no discretion over the results. It's been almost two years since the 2020 presidential election, and yet Donald Trump is still trying to overturn the results. Wisconsin State Assembly Speaker Robin Voss told WISN that Trump called him just last week, asking him to decertify Biden's win. Um, He would like us to do something different in Wisconsin. I explained that it's not allowed under the Constitution. The call may have been prompted by a recent ruling from the Wisconsin Supreme Court that drop boxes for absentee ballots used during the pandemic won't be allowed going forward.
1: President Biden announced executive actions today to help fight global warming, though he stopped short of declaring a climate emergency, which is what many of his fellow Democrats are asking for. The initiatives include over $2 billion toward helping communities prepare for disasters like floods and a plan for offshore wind development in the Gulf of Mexico. This all comes as actual legislation to deal with climate change is being stalled in the Senate by West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin. Meta is suing Meta. Pretty Meta, right? Okay, to be specific, an art installation company called Meta is suing Mark Zuckerberg's Meta, formerly known as Facebook. Why? Well, the smaller of the two Metas says Facebook's many scandals from over the years make it impossible to do business now.
0: Quidditch, the fictional-turned-real-life sport created by Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, is officially changing its name. Three organizations that manage the sport announced Tuesday that it will now be called quadball. Sounds like a medical condition, but okay. The name change is in part to distance them from the sport's creator and what their press release calls quote her anti-trans positions. It also allows the organizations to own their own trademark under the new name. Today and every day, we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens, so check back whenever you want to know the latest.
1: Coming up, we look at one of the many impacts of overturning Roe v. Wade. For public health researchers, the court's decision may be catastrophic. Britain's Conservative Party leadership has selected two candidates to replace Boris Johnson as UK Prime Minister. It's now down to former Finance Minister Rishi Sunak and Foreign Secretary Liz Truss. All Conservative Party leaders will vote on the winner by early September. Johnson will remain in place until then, but he did give some parting words of advice to his colleagues today.
0: Number one, stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere Uh, I want to thank everybody here and hasta la vista baby thank you The 16 people who agreed to serve as fake electors in Georgia and interfere in the 2020 presidential election are now considered targets in an ongoing criminal investigation. It's a shift in Fulton County District Attorney Fani Willis' probe into Donald Trump and his allies' efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia and a sign that criminal charges may be coming for those fake electors and possibly for the former president.
1: Daria Kazatkina, Russia's top female tennis player, has come out as gay. The 25-year-old told a Russian blogger that she's dating figure skater Natalia Zabiako, and shortly after the interview, she posted a picture of them together on social media. It's a brave move. Kazatkina says in Russia, she would never be able to even hold hands with her girlfriend in public. And because Russia has banned anything it sees as promoting gay relationships, she says being out may exile her from her home country.
0: The House has passed a bill to protect same-sex marriage. Every Democrat voted in favor of the Respect for Marriage Act, which would codify the right nationwide. 47 Republicans, including Liz Cheney, are on the record as voting yes. Same-sex marriage is the law of the land under a 2015 Supreme Court ruling, but Justice Clarence Thomas signaled the court's conservative majority may overturn that right. The House bill will most likely not pass in the Senate.
1: Amazon is fed up with all the fake reviews, so it's going after people who make them happen. In a press release, Amazon says it's suing administrators from more than 11,000 different Facebook groups that allegedly helped people post fake reviews on Amazon in exchange for free products. Facebook parent Meta says it's already removed more than 5,000 fake review groups since 2020. Nearly a month since the Supreme Court struck down the right to an abortion as the law of the land, we're seeing a more complex state-by-state picture of who's able to get an abortion. For public health researchers, the impacts of the court's decision may be catastrophic. Adam Rogers covers science and technology for Insider, and he recently published an article titled The Hidden Side Effect of Overturning Roe v. Wade. Adam, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you. Always a pleasure.
1: In your story, you write that it's not just that abortions will be harder for people to get after the Supreme Court Dobbs' decision, but that verifiable data about abortions will be harder to come by. Explain. Well,
2: that's always been a challenge. Because abortion has been a politically sensitive issue and because there were already states that were having extremely restrictive regimes about who could get abortions and when, it was even difficult to know for public health researchers how many abortions were being performed in each state. But to understand that, you have to understand where the people who were getting abortions came from. And that's the sort of information that now, because of increasing criminalization in states uh, and, and because of the Dobbs decision, um, people are going to be more reluctant to perhaps give to an abortion provider. And abortion providers may become more reluctant to ask for because it's not mm-hmm. something they need to give care and they don't want to get subpoenaed. They want to protect their own clinics and they want to protect their patients. And that's just an example of how many abortions are being done and where and for whom. That doesn't even take into account the really well-understood but profound potential public health and socioeconomic implications of restricting and criminalizing abortion that people have seen in other countries that people saw before Roe v. Wade in the United States and are now hoping to track in the United States, but are concerned that they're not going to be able to because of the consequences of the Dobbs decision.
1: So why is this data, though, you know, who, where, how important for scientists?
2: Most of the ways that we talk about abortion in the United States are as a political conversation, and that's out of necessity. Yeah. But to try to understand individual rights, the liberties of people who want to have abortions, the, how they fit into the way the Constitution understands privacy. But that's not the only way to think about abortion. Abortion is medical care. It has public health consequences. And there's an understanding that, for example, people who want to get an abortion but are denied it and then have the baby tend to have really rough socioeconomic outcomes. Yeah, That states that have restrictive abortion policies have higher maternal mortality rates. And that has a preferential differential impact on people of color, poor people, the folks who can't access care.
1: What's interesting about this is that you write that the Supreme Court justices were actually presented with very good data and they chose to ignore
2: it so not in the decision, but when the when the oral arguments were being done in front of the court, one of the attorneys presented a lot of this data it had socioeconomic numbers, maternal mortality numbers the kind of the, the kind of stuff that goes wrong when you when you criminalize abortion and John Roberts, Chief Justice of the court, said essentially putting all that data aside let's get back to and what he wanted to get back to was what time during gestation you could get an abortion. It was this moment of, of the chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States saying, like, molest me not with those numbers. I don't want to talk about that data. I want to talk about the political implications here. I want to talk about the politics. And so it was head snapping for the public health researchers, for scientists watching that, for a Supreme Court justice to say, I don't want to talk about that data. I'm not going to use that to make the decision. They sort of look at that and go, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I doing here? What's the point of me if you're not going to use this to make this policy? What are we doing? Because otherwise, at the most reductionist level, that is, taking religious arguments to make policy because it's the religious arguments that are being used to kind of decide when that collection of cells becomes a person. That's a very hard problem to solve. It's a hard problem to solve for philosophers. It's a hard problem to solve for scientists, but it's how policy is getting made.
1: So going back to that somewhat... Cynical, I guess, idea that comes up in your piece, you know, why bother with more research in this area, pointing again to the fact that Justice John Roberts acknowledged ignoring abortion data when deciding the Dobbs case. Do you have an answer for your own question? Why are researchers still bothering to gather this data?
2: Yeah, I mean one of my answers comes from one of the researchers I talked to who's been doing this for decades who sort of said this is the way you're supposed to make decisions. We make decisions based on data and doing research and analysis and so that's a, a little bit of naivete yeah. I suppose and thinking that, that like how else are you going to do it? This is what there is and and there will be differences state by state. And there will be states where you can go and say look you, we can see how we've had these horrible outcomes so we need to adjust to policy because there's more than just politics at stake here there there are real lives and and not just the what happens on a on a doctor's table but what happens to people and their children in the years that follow whether they have the kind of families that they want whether economies succeed whether people live in poverty and these are all choices that policymakers can make
1: Adam thanks so much for chatting
2: Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Adam Rogers covers science and technology for Insider. Make sure to follow the Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show.
0: You can also just tell your smart speaker to play the Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Dave Smith.
1: And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Talk to you soon.